Danny Clifford is the chairman of the board at Cowboys Rest. So that is uh, the connection here, not just uh, as chairman of the board, but uh, dear, dear friends with Bob and Chris. So Danny's got the privilege of introducing our guest speaker. Uh, I met this man 26 years ago when he was the pastor of this very church, co-pastor with our other beloved John Duncan. And uh, through the years, uh, he's become my best friend. And uh, I've leaned on him pretty hard sometimes. But uh, he's always there. And he just uh, is full of the Lord. And uh, I'm very happy to call him my best friend. I think we talk every day, sometimes two or three times a day. And there are others that can say he's their best friend here, too. But... I'm very proud to say that, and uh, I want you to welcome back our old pastor. Get on up here. Get up here. And his wife, Chris, is probably the rock. Amen. The rock of the family, so have at it. Actually, next month, July 1st, that Chris and I drove into Fallon. Now, I was born and raised in Reno, but uh, Fallon was always just sort of a place we drove through going duck hunting. And, uh, um, and we drove here not knowing what God was going to do. As you get older, you get more emotional, I think. You know, but um, what we just did was what we wanted to see God do. And that was to see his children coming together to bless his holy name. What a privilege it is to see, um, not that it took 28 years to get here, you know, but to see that uh, you uh, are continuing on, praising and lifting up the name of Jesus Christ. And that's uh, such a blessing to be able to come and, I know that uh, a lot of things don't change. Some things do. We painted the walls. Uh, Rochelle sitting over here instead of over here. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's been a, uh, an exciting time. Uh, we came um, 28 years ago to plant a church. And you are part of that. Many have come, many have gone. And then we left, sort of crazy, 19 years ago. If my notes are right, I do the math. Uh, 19 years ago to plan a camp in Elko. And God has been faithful once again. And I was going to have Ron show that picture again of Cowboy Trish with a lot of snow. We haven't seen that for a few years. <laughs> but, uh, yes, it's been a, an exciting uh, adventure. I hope that uh, this morning as we uh, get into the Word that um, we'll be able to look forward to the adventure that God has for each and every one of us as his children. And, um, you know, sometimes it's just getting older or, or just realizing that we are moving way too fast. And I really appreciated the girl's song, you know, uh, Still My Heart. You know, when was the last time we were just, be still, the psalmist says in 46.10, and know that I am God. You know, just to be still. I mean, we are living in such a fast pace that uh, the years go by, you know, and you look out and you, and you see 
different gray-haired people like Bill Gunn, you know. And, uh, you know, I knew him before he had gray hair. You know? <laughs> but, uh, and to see high school graduates coming up and, and sharing. And, and I think we'd all agree that, that uh, as we have lived and as we've seen God's faithfulness, there's only one word that can explain that. You know, to see um, these uh, young ladies come up and, and sing, play the piano, uh, to accompany them, uh, or any of our, our young people, and that's grace. You know, when everything's said and done, it's got to come back to that. Uh, just God's grace. You know, as we uh, watch our children grow, as we see our grandchildren, I've never seen Woody more excited, and I realize he's leaving for Phoenix. Yeah, you know, he didn't even have a mic on. I don't know if you noticed that. You know, I know he learned how to project as a uh, uh, in singing, but I mean, he was excited. And he told me, "Hurry up! I'm leaving." When are you leaving? No, no. But you know, it's it's exciting because it's all about grace. It's all about God and the adventure that He has for each and every one of us. And the world is pressing in, and it's pressing in and saying, you know, there's more to do. There's lots of things that are distracting us. You know, and as we get going faster and faster and faster, I think we miss what God said to the girls. Be still, my soul. You know, we have all the technology, yet we don't have any time just to sit down and be still before the Lord. So if you just take a moment with me and, and just ask the Lord to still our hearts, first of all, which would be a miracle for all of us, Today, you know, no matter where we are, I think we're all saying, okay, we're going, we're moving, we got to go here, here, and here. But not necessarily Phoenix, but we got, you know, the roast on. I hope he doesn't go too long, you know, and, and all the rest. But just say, Lord, fill my heart, open my ears, and then open my heart. Not for my spouse, but for me. I'm going to pray the same thing, and then we'll... Uh, Get in and see what God has for us. So let's pray together. Father God, I thank you that we're here to worship you, that you desire and you delight in our coming. You say that you seek those that will worship you in spirit and truth. And that's our desire this morning, to just worship you, we have entered into a great time of, of praise and worship. And now we just ask that you would be our teacher as we open your word and just um, look to you to show us how to be those Christians that you're calling us to be. Father, I thank you for all that you're doing. I thank you for the privilege to be here once again and to be reminded that uh, you're faithful even when we're faithless. So, Father, we thank you, and we look forward to what you want to speak to our hearts about. And then we pray that we would be obedient to do just that. Father, thank you for loving us, and we just commit this time to you now. Jesus, amen. Well, this morning we're going to take a, a topical message, which is always tough. You know, it's always easier to stay on track knowing where you're going as you go verse by verse, and that's a good thing. That's what God calls us to do, to know the Word. But um, as we got thinking about, you know, uh, you know, sort of like the hired gun, you get, you know, one shot, 
you know, you have this much time. And, uh, and so we're going to be looking uh, topically about faith. You know, and if you read your bulletins, we're going to be looking at one uh, person in particular. His name is, good, some of you read the bulletin. That's a good thing. And uh, to keep us on track, Rochelle typed up a little program um, and the fill in the blanks. And if you're in Sunday school today, I found out they like to fill in the blanks. You know, I mean, what did we miss? Oh, wait, uh, you got a discrepancy here, Woody. There's two things the same. You know, so if you're uh, if you're one of those, I told Rochelle when I said, do you want an outline? She said, yeah, we want an outline. I said, you know, I won't follow it anyway. And she said, I know, you know, but <laughs> it's there. And so, uh, and Chris was real excited about it. She said, it might keep you on track and we might get out of here, you know. And so, uh, but we are, we're going to be talking about faith and I, and I like it because really the foundation of life is faith. You know, and we're sitting here in church and we're having faith in what Jesus Christ did on the cross. You know, and that, and that's a good thing. You know, and, but all of everybody, everybody who has ever lived and everybody who will live lives by faith. Anybody believe that? Okay, we're going to interact here a little bit. You know, we all live by faith. All we got to do is look around. You know, we believe that my cell phone is going to work. Now, for me, that's tough. You know, for the young people that go, you know, why is it so tough? You just push these buttons, you know. But we believe in, by faith, that that cell, whatever it is, I guess is a digital signal or something, you know, or now even now the, the iCloud. You know, does that mean when it's no clouds in the sky, it doesn't work? Don't have a clue. Where is the Internet? <laughs> he invented it, you know. You know, and, and we just live by faith that that's going to always be there. You know, and so everybody's living by faith, you know, and it was so evident to me uh, the other day I had stopped at, uh, they have a new donut um, shop in Reno. It's called Doughboys. You know, and why they name it Doughboys because... And I realized that all us doughboys are there, you know. But I had coffee and a croissant, you know, but it was a breakfast croissant, you know. But uh, the, the point was is that as we sat there, I realized that we all live by faith when we drive. Have you thought about it? When we drive, we all live by faith. You know, we believe, first of all, that the car is going to start. And if it doesn't, uh, I learned from Mark a long time ago, most of the uh, problems automotively, 80%, wherever Mark is, if he's still here. Um, yeah, there he is. You know, it's usually electrical if you have a problem. So that's helped me a lot up the ranch when I go and I go, he's right. I hate it when he's right all the time. <laughs> but, you know, you know, oh, yeah, we have to hook up the battery. You know, but we live by faith and we believe that that person's going to stop at the stop sign. You know, and sometimes they don't, and they call it a T-bone, you know. Hopefully, you're not the driving force. Hopefully, nobody's hurt, but we live by faith. We're at Doughboys, and we sat there, and we were sitting outside. It was a nice day in Reno, and we watched five, not four, not six, but five of near misses. I mean, people backing up and... You know, I've, and I'm going, this is just Reno. And I now I know why people, all you hear in New York is the horn. 
you know, and because everybody, the way we drive, we live by faith and we expect everybody to be as good as drivers as moi, you know, but we aren't. And so you see accidents happen, but we live by faith. Now, as believers, you know, we are living by faith. We're believing in what the scriptures say. And really, uh, the simplest form of, of faith, if you're writing a definition, if you didn't know uh, what the scriptures say, you'd say faith is believing. And that's really what it is. It's believing by faith that I'm believing that person is going to stop at the stop sign. I believe that when I pick up my cell phone, it's going to work. And yet, God gives us the definition of uh, faith in Hebrews 11. I think that's one of the points. This is sort of neat. I've never used one of these before. You know, <laughs> you know uh, that faith is what? Hebrews 11.1. 1. It's not on there. Way to go, Rochelle. <laughs> That's because I didn't send it to her, I'm sure. I called and told her I was going to you know, give her a bad time, and some of the other ones that will be in the service later on uh, will hear your name. It's all in love, you know. <laughs> it's all about love. But uh, faith, Hebrews 11.1, 1, definition of faith. Faith is, let's say it together, everybody knows it. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So we live by faith. 2 Corinthians 5.7 says, we don't live by sight, but we live by faith. It would be so much easier to live by sight. But what is it that pleases God? Hebrews 11.6 says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. And so he allows us the privilege to please him by doing what he asks us to do, and that's living by faith and not by sight. So it's pretty exciting when we think about the essence of, of life that the meaning, the foundation of my life is the faith that I have. As believers, we should be so excited about having the opportunity to live by faith. And yet I find that I'm really struggling living by faith. You know, and we, we have our kids and they're dispersed over here and they're over there and we have our own lives and we have our jobs and some of us, you know, don't have jobs and some of us are looking for jobs, you know, but we're called to live by faith. And that's why we want to make sure that we know that the word of God says that it says that my God will supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Philippians 4.19. So that we can know what his word says. And he says, by faith, I'm believing that God will meet our, life, our needs no matter what they are. It's not just a job. It might be an emotional need that I have. It might be a, a need that I have that is still around the corner. Our God is faithful, and we're called to live by faith. Well, what does that faith look like? You know, and we, we're looking at Abraham, and I'm excited about that because the theme of camp is a study in the life of Abraham. We're calling it alien invasion, which is sort of weird, you know, but it really is true to Scripture because who was Abraham? The Scriptures say that he was a stranger and an alien in a distant land. And as believers, we're to be different. We're strangers. We're no longer part of this world. I know our, we have a team going to India. So we go, man, they're great missionaries. Now, this is a question I ask all the time. Do you have to leave the United States, have to leave uh, Fallon America to be a missionary? You sure? 
Okay, why? What about you have to go to a foreign land to be a missionary? Now you're not so sure. Do you have to leave? Do you have to be uh, go to a foreign land to be a missionary? Now I could pick on some of our graduates, especially the college graduates, especially the one that's uh, giving me a break this summer uh, at the at the ranch. One of them, uh, just a side. Um, it still doesn't help me from chasing bunnies, but uh, you know, we we sort of sometimes look and. Brian asked Chris and I, what do you guys want to do this summer? You know, we're, we're, we're supposed to be um, uh, venturing out into a new ministry, and, and that's pretty exciting. But uh, we're going up to help the kids. And he says, what do you want to do this summer? And we looked at each other and says, Chris says, I want to babysit. And I said, I want to go fishing. <laughs> yeah. Because we have, you know, uh, some kids that God has brought together, and it's exciting. And so... You know, if I was to ask them, do you have to go to a foreign country to be a missionary, they would say, yes, you do. Anybody believe that? Well, they're right. Yes, you do. Because as a believer, I have to, I'm, my citizenship is not in America. It's not on earth. Where are we citizens of? It's our residence is in heaven. We're already seated in the heavenly places. So yeah, we need to go. And if God puts you at Churchill County High School, you know, to be uh, there, you're a missionary. If he puts you somewhere else, if he puts you in India, yeah, we go, yeah, those are the, you know, Gabs, Nevada. I've been there once, you know, by mistake. No, I'm just kidding. If anybody here from Gab, that's a disclaimer, you know, but uh, I think you get there, you get, you go to Ione that way. But um, so, yeah, we need to be missionaries. We need to be living by faith, and we need an example. How do we learn? How did I learn to go fly fishing uh, to learn how to do, to be, whatever you do, fly fishing, okay, on the Truckee River? When I was a boy, I had an example. My dad says, here's a fly pole. I'll go out and catch some fish. No. He took me down there, and he says, okay, biggest thing is to, you know, two and ten. Two and ten. Never break, and when you set the pole down, the last time you, you extend, you shoot your line out, and I'd sit there and you go, and I'd be flogging, and I'm trying to teach Zoe how to fly fish. You know, my six-year-old uh, granddaughter, she loves the fish, you know, and, and she's down there. Did anybody see the picture, Claire Marie? It was a great picture, you know, up there uh, at the, and those fish are so much bigger now. I'm sure Zoe will take it, you know, but... <laughs> You know, and but I had an example. This is how you do it. And you take that line, you strip your line back, and, and I learned how to fly fish because I had an example. You know, and God gives us examples of what it means to live by faith. Abraham was the father of faith? No. It doesn't say that. Well, I believe he did have faith, but he says that Abraham was the father of Israel. He's one of the... Uh, um, probably mentioned more in scriptures, both old and new, than most everybody else. In Hebrews 11, the hall of the hallmark of faith, uh, he is, says, by faith, Abraham, by faith, Enoch, by faith, those, by faith, by faith. And so Abraham is a great example, and we're excited to teach that life, and yet I have 10 more minutes, 
No, I have more than that. Uh, you know, to talk about the, hey, if you want to learn about the life of faith, read the, read the life of Abraham. Go to Isaiah. Go to um, Acts. Go to Hebrews. And just find about this guy that we're going to be talking about. But what we're going to do this morning, if you would, take your Bibles and we're going to turn over to chapter 11 of uh, Hebrews. And we're going to look at um, faith, you know, as uh, in, in the life of Abraham. He's our example. And once you get to Hebrews 11, you have one of those little ribbons, put it there. Put your finger there if you don't have a ribbon and turn over to Genesis chapter 12. Okay, we're going to find out a little bit about Abraham. And it begins by saying, Now the Lord said to Abraham, verse 1 of chapter 12 of Genesis, Go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to a land which I will show you. And I will make you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great. And so you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and I will, um, and the one who curses you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And it's known as, if you've um, been in the scriptures a lot, have been in churches, it's called the Abrahamic Covenant, that God promises Abraham a land, a seed, and a blessing. And he never possessed all of that promise. But God is faithful. He who promised is faithful, Hebrews 10.23 says. And so how does he have to live? He has to live by faith. He can't see it, but he puts his hope. You know, and sometimes we think that hope is just wishful thinking. You know, and I know Dina used to say, you know, I'd really like to have, I hope I get a horse. You know, and I but that's wishful thinking. You know, but you know what? As most daughters do, Chris Ward, <laughs> he got a horse. My fondest memories is uh, Maria bringing Claire Marie over and sticking a carrot and uh, late cargo's, a racehorse, late cargo, that was his name, um, into the horse's mouth. And then you see how God's faithfulness and seeing her graduation picture, I guess, or when, with your horse. You know, and it's just so exciting. But, you know, that was wishful thinking for Dina. Maybe in her mind she wasn't, she was, you know, that's a done deal. I know how to wrap Dad around my little finger. But in my mind, it was just wishful thinking. So when we read that, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the convictions of things not seen. Whenever we see faith, whenever we see hope, it's not wishful thinking. And a great definition is for hope is confident expectation in the future. Confidence in the future. In Hebrews 10.23, and when I said that uh, verse, it says, let us, in 10.23, he says, uh, let us hold fast the, con- um, the confession of our hope um, without wavering, with confidence, for he who promised is faithful. And so it's not wishful thinking when we live by faith. It's just believing what God has said and knowing that he's going to do what he said. And that's exciting because he calls us all on a great adventure. So he comes to Abraham and he says, Abraham, I promise you a land of seed and a blessing. And the first thing I was brought up short when we started studying this for camp was, why Abraham? You know, we read it, we look back on it, and we go, why Abraham? 
what do we know about Abraham? Well, his name was really Abram before it was changed to Abraham. But why Abraham? You know, and I had to think of that um, over and over again. Why did God choose me? Well, from the foundations of the world, brother, you know, and we could go into all the election and all the predestination, but I think it's even simpler than that. Because Second Corinthians, Second uh, Chronicles 16.9, if you're following your outline, back on track, it says what about why Abraham? Abraham had the right heart. It's always about the heart. Second Chronicles 16.9 says, The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth, looking for any man, woman, boy, and girl. That's generic. He says any man, really, in that scripture, whose heart is, and the King James says, perfect. But we all know that none of us has a perfect heart, except by uh, the grace of God. He makes us perfect. He makes us righteous. But it says, whose heart is steadfast. David was a man after God's own heart. It's always about the heart, church. Where is your heart is, I mean, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He says, where what comes out of your mouth is evidence of what's in the heart. And so he says, uh, the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth, looking for any man whose heart is steadfast, is directed towards him, that he might show himself strong on their behalf. And so God looks all through the world. He looks over and he sees in Earl the Chaldeans, over in Mesopotamia, and he sees Abraham. He says, there's a heart. You know, and God's doing the same thing this morning in our society. He's looking and saying, oh, there's a heart, and there's a heart. Jesus said, greater things will you do than I have done. Was he talking qualitatively or quantitatively? He couldn't do anything greater than he did than to lay down his life for his friend. No, but he's, I think it also includes qualitatively. How many of us out here can go and be the hands and feet of Jesus this afternoon? We all can. We all should be. He says, when I see that heart, he says, then he goes, oh, I'll show myself strong on their behalf. And so Abraham had the right heart. And when he had the right heart... Abraham then listened to God. This is for us, men. We're good hearers. We're not good listeners. So ask your spouse. You know, ladies, I know what Chris says, are you listening or are you just having selective hearing? You know, and of course, then I, I just went through a, a, a ear drum got, got ruptured and um, there's a lot of wax in my ears. And my eardrum burst and, and went in there and you know, I said, sorry, Chris, I can't hear you. You know, I actually put my hand over this ear and I couldn't hear anything. You know, and so it was, you know, I had selective hearing. But, man, we aren't very good listeners. We're good hearers. And if you're like me, you're thinking of what to say in response to what that other person says, especially when eh, the conversation gets a little push come to shove. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but... We need to be good hearers. We need to be good listeners as well. Abraham was a good listener. Uh, Hebrews, uh, I'm sorry, Genesis 12:4 says this. So Abraham went forth as, as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. Now Abraham was 75 years old 
when he departed from Haran. Abraham was 175 when he died. I'm going, man, I hope I don't live that long. <laughs> you know, your, your knees start hurting, but here he is, 75 years old, and he's believing God, and he was over in Mesopotamia. He heard God speak, and he did what? He obeyed. So we see that, first of all, God speaks. He sees a heart, and he speaks. And when he sees that person who is listening, he knows that our only response is to obey. Now, we can choose not to obey. But if we really believe what we say we believe, then we're going to obey. And Hebrews 11:8 says, By faith, Abraham, well, let's look what it says. If you have your finger in that or your little ribbon, turn over to Hebrews 11, and it says, By faith, verse 8, Abraham went when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which was which he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. So it's pretty exciting when we see God sees a heart, and he sees that heart, he speaks to that heart. We have the option there to listen or just hear what he's saying. and go in one ear and out the other. And let me tell you, whenever God's word is opened... Whenever you dare, this is the scary part, whenever you dare come to church and the Word is taught and Parkside Bible Fellowship, we have always been committed to teach the Word of God. We know that we can't change a heart. You know, we have great uh, speakers and everything, but we don't change hearts. Who changes hearts? Hello? Okay, God changes hearts. Only He can. And so when we come and we're called to do the Great Commission, we learned about that, what the church is supposed to do. He says, go and do what? Make converts, right? No. He says, make disciples of all nations, teaching them to do all that I have commanded you baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Lord, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. We aren't out in the business of making converts. Only God can change a heart. But once that heart is changed, we as a body of believers have the responsibility of discipling. You know, and the church here is committed to discipling. And that means just not old men, but older men and women teaching younger men and women. It's not just necessarily in age. It could be in your maturity in the Lord. And we just are just sharing what God has shared with us. And it's a blessing to hear and to talk to people who, you know, I had the privilege to disciple. And, you know, still using the Bible and saying, you know, I'm discipling. I'm sharing. And then see them discipling others. That's the multiplication of the church. If not, it's just addition. The hundred men that I had the privilege to disciple if that would just be, that's all it would be there. But those hundred men are discipling ten men a year. And those ten men a year are discipling ten men a year. And all of a sudden you're in the millions instead of just in the hundreds. So we're called to be disciples. And we're called to go and to obey what God has showed us. So Abraham is there. He listens to God. He obeys God. And then, and this is sort of a tricky one. If you turn over to uh Genesis chapter 15, and this is the verse that most of us go to as Abraham's conversion. 
it says that um, Abraham and he, if you follow the life of Abraham, uh, you can go and he sees, um, he goes down to Egypt and he tells a little half-truth, which is really a lie, about his, uh, his wife Sarai. And um, God brings him back to the promised land that he promised him to. Abraham's used in the deliverance of Lot. He divides the land. And then in chapter 15, uh, he reiterates the Abrahamic covenant. And it says, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision, saying, do not fear, Abram. I am a shield to you. Your reward shall be great. And Abraham said, O Lord God, O Lord God, what wilt thou give me, since I am childless? And the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Since thou hast given no offspring to me, one born of my house is my uh, heir. Then behold, the word of the Lord came, uh, came to him, saying, This man will not be your heir, but one who shall come forth from your own body, he shall be your heir. And he looked, and he took him outside and said, Now look towards the heavens, count the stars if you can able, if you are able to count them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. So God says, It's not going to be somebody else, it's going to be a descendant of yours, Abraham. And it says, Go out and count. And I, I would have been out there trying to count, you know, like, Okay, the Big Dipper, that's four. And you, you know, and, but, uh, he goes out and he begins to count. I don't think so. He was amazed. And it says, then God takes him out and he says, see all that? You know, and we have good stars in, in Fallon. But if you want to see some good stars, come to the ranch on a star, on a moonless night, usually in the wintertime when it's a lot colder and you just count and you just go, wow, see the Milky Way. How many are in there? And God says, as your descendants, so shall, uh, so shall, as you count the stars, so shall your descendants be. Then Abraham believed in the Lord, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. So we see that Abraham, being our example, he, first of all, had the right heart. He then listened to God. He obeyed God. And when he has that faith, because you see, it's not just an emotional response to the gospel that we have today. It's not just saying, oh, I believe that. And it's not just mere intellectual assent saying, yeah, I know that Jesus Christ was a historical figure, and he was, and that he was tried under Pontius Pilate, and he was, and he was crucified, and he was, and he was, and uh, we go through the whole scenario and say, oh, yeah, I know that. No, God's looking for a volitional response. That's when my whole entire being is in that response, and God sees that, and he says, that's faith. Not just intellectually, not just emotionally, but our whole volition, our entire being is stepped up, and we go, I believe. And what did God do? He says, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. That's pretty exciting. Now, we're going to skip this to the last point because we want to ask that question. It says, only two people in the entire Bible are called by God as his friends. Now, I already told one of them, Abraham, your assignment for this week, not just to read the doctrinal statement, but to, who's that other person? Come on. I can put... 
doctor ward on the on uh, in, but I wouldn't do that to my elder, uh, and I like him too much. <laughs> so I appreciate the ward family. You've taken a lot of flack today. Anybody else name the name the uh, friend of God? Moses? No. Enoch? He was pleasing to God. David? Man after God's own heart? No. Now, we're going to see, and don't get discouraged, your, your answers are right, but they're wrong. To ask the question is, who else in the scriptures is named a friend of God? Abraham, and this is what God says about him. He says, uh, Abraham, in James 2.23, it says, And the scriptures are, was, were fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. We already read that, 15.5 uh, of Genesis. And he called and he was called the friend of God. Okay? Well, he was just called that. I like Isaiah 41, 8. It says, but you, Israel, my servant. Now, this is God speaking to uh, the prophet. But you, Israel, my servant, Jacob, whom you have chosen, descendant of Abraham, my friend. Pretty neat. What does it mean to be a friend of God? You know, I look at that and I go, that would be pretty exciting. You know, to be a friend of God. So who else in Scripture is called a friend of God? Come on, jump on it. You guys have a chance to just yell it out. Who said that? You? Man, sister. You chose wisely. <laughs> Only two people. It's the plural form. Semi for my, uh, I know what, you know, my singular and plurals but the singular form of you. You, if you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Because Jesus said in John 13, I mean John 15, 13 through 15, he says, no man has greater love than this, that he laid down his life for his friend. I no longer call you slaves, but I call you friends, for I tell you everything that my Father is doing. So if you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, we can be his friend. And that's pretty exciting when we think about it. The God of all the universe wants us to be his friend. All these other guys, yes, and Moses, it says, spoke to God as a friend speaks face to face. Enoch was pleasing to God. And we just found out that he had faith. What does it take to become a friend of God? John 1.12 says, But as many as received him, who him they, he gave the right to become children of God, even those who believe in his name. Genuine belief, faith. Remember the Philippian jailer. How must I be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. How are you going to be a friend of God? By knowing his loving kindness. Accepting Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. So what does it mean to be a friend? Now now this gets tough. This is the application part of the message that none of us like. You know, but what does it mean to be a friend? Well, if you're a friend, you know, Danny and I are good friends. He said, I call him every day. That's not true. I don't call him on weekends. Deborah said, don't call my husband. No, she didn't say that. <laughs> she didn't say that. But, you know, you know and what, what do you talk about? Well, what all guys talk about, hunting, fishing, you know, and then gossip. You know, men are the biggest gossips ever. I mean, don't believe it, ladies. You know, we talk about Woody. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, 
We communicate. To be a friend, you need to spend time together. Okay? We need to look and we spend time together. What is a friend? One who talks together. One who walks together. You know, Chris loves to hike. You know, and I, and I don't. You know, opposite attract. You know, but if she puts a fishing pole in my hand with no line or no hook or anything, I'm just happy as can be. <laughs> because, you know, I'll walk anywhere to go fishing or hunting. But just to hike for hiking's sake, she says, well, you'd be in a lot better shape, you know, and your knees would be a lot better, you know. But uh, she doesn't really say that. She just smiles like she always does. And I say, yes, dear, let's go for a walk, <laughs> you know. But uh, we need to spend time with our friends. If you're really a friend, you're spending time together. You're talking together. You're walking together. You're listening to the other person. What do you want to do? I don't care. What do you want to do? I mean, you know, guys, it's something, uh, we're, you know, we're sort of like our compartments. Okay? I know where I'm going and what I'm going to do and where do you want to go eat, and it just drives us nuts. Chris gives me a, le- a list, and I'm just a happy camp. I just scratch the list off, bring it home, and pin it on my shirt like the uh, kindergarten. <laughs> you know, and I did my list. I'm happy. Happy, happy, you know, and so I, I find that so often we we uh, don't listen, you know, and we don't do what a friend would do. Now, this is just, you know, talking about friends, you know, our hunting buddies, or, we're, you know, we do whatever hobby God has given you, you know, but we, we're spending time together, we're talking together, we're walking together, we're praying together, boy. You know, and uh, I get blessed. I and I've said this before from this pulpit. I pray for Cal- I mean, for Parkside Bible Fellowship more now than I did when John and I were pastoring. That's nothing to brag about. But I was so ashamed that you know we're so involved in the ministry. Oswald Chambers, who's a uh, a great thinker, he said, "Don't pray for the battle. Prayer is the battle." You know, and we need to be praying. If you have a friend, you want to be praying with that friend. Part of discipleship is praying for the for the needs and seeing God move. Uh, Chris was involved in Moms in Touch here in, in uh, Fallon. Now she was involved in uh, Moms in Touch for 15 years in uh, in Elko, and we moved back to Reno uh, for uh, her dad's not doing well, but it was so exciting. The gals from Elko call her on the phone Tuesday at noon, and they have a conference prayer, you know, and they and they pray together. And I'm going, okay, great. I said, and I was convicted when I was teaching down at the school down in Texas for a year, you know, and we had a great time because we did a lot of praying. Came back to Reno, and I call it the old men praying, and four of us try to get together, just once every two weeks. And guys, we find every reason in the world not to pray. Or, worse yet, who do you pray with? Are you praying with your wives? Guys, are you praying together? You know, you're getting together before school. Are we praying with our best friend or praying even better to our best friend? Jesus should be the one. He says, I'm your friend. I want to be your friend. Be to have friends. 
You have to be a friend. You have to be spending time together. And so I just want to show a, a quick uh, music video. We're going to end the service. I think it's early, but that's okay because I have an assignment we're going to do before you leave. So, Ron, if you want to play this, it's uh, I'm a Friend of God.